Welcome to the Sus Talk Podcast. I'm Sumo Rocky here. This episode, I'm joined by a fellow member of my fantasy football league. He is the former champion of the league before being dethroned this past year. He is an OG founding member of the league. He has a name that tells you he is a pretty big deal. I'm joined by Premier Orion. Premier, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, that fantasy football championship, it's a rough topic right now. I should have <laughs> I should have had a stronger team. That one hurt. Well, the worst part about that was you had a really good team from the start, but then the moment Sam Darnold got mono, everything went downhill from there. Yeah, my entire everything I knew as a football fan went just downhill. Fancy team, Jets fan, it all hurt. It was I think I started six and oh and then I just it fell apart. I think it's a lot of bad luck, but that's fantasy football. But I think before our, we're not talking fantasy football for this episode. This episode, I brought you on because we're going to talk Miami Heat, which I didn't, I, I didn't actually think this would happen. Like you know, because you're more, I know you more as a, a diehard Jets fan, and well, you know, diehard but sadly a Jets fan. Oh well, let's not get. We're we're coming up. Don't worry about that. <laughs> It's, but I, I think before all of that, before we get into like this amazing Miami Heat season that's been that's been going on this year, along with the arrival of Jimmy Butler, I, I, before before anything, I did want to. I've always wanted to ask you this question: How did you get the name Premier? Because out of all the names, that has to be the most interesting and just the best possible name you could have gotten. It's a great one. Everyone asks me, so we. It started with so my dad's name is Pierre. And I guess he didn't want to make me a junior. He just didn't want to name me right after him. So he found something kind of unique, but sort of similar to him. And I I was the first child, and it would go on to be the only child. But I guess they thought Premier was pretty fitting to be the first. And here we are now. It's kind of like you are the Premier child. You are the, you are the, uh, the gift, so to speak. Yes. That's how I like to look at it. I'm a gift to my parents. Hopefully they see it the same. Before we go into this whole Heat talk, how did you become a Heat fan? Because, like I said, I've known you as a Jets fan, but it's just amazing to me how you've, I, how you've identified yourself now as like a diehard Heat fan. Like, I've never seen this before. So, I'm a Jets fan, a Met fan, and I, when I was young, everyone thought just I would just shoot all the New York teams. I'd just go along and be a Knicks fan. But... <clears throat> When I first started watching basketball, there was just something about Dwayne Wade that I loved. It was it all started with Dwayne Wade. Um, as a kid, I don't even remember who first said it to me, but someone told my mom that I look like I kind of look like Dwayne Wade, and I was like, I don't know who that is. So I watched a couple games, and I just fell in love with Dwayne Wade, Miami Heat, and ever since then, um, first couple years were kind of rough. Uh, 2004, 2005, we were not great. I think we won like under 20 games each year. And then we got tracked and it just led to a final championship. Then there was a couple more rough years. LeBron came by, everything got great. Then he left, a couple more rough years, and now here we are. We look great. Um, We've got depth. We've got Jimmy Butler. We've got a star coming up in Bam Adebayo. And we're just hoping that this leads to a final somewhere down the line. I, I think it's fascinating to me because I have, one of my closest friends is also a Heat fan. He also said the same exact reason was because he loved watching Dwayne Wade as a kid. And 
like D Wade's always been. Um, I mean, his retirement ceremony is coming up in like a few weeks. I I presume. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. It's like it's and like it's a, a week and a half. A full week. It's almost like a full week of celebrating D Wade, which is amazing. I don't think even Jeter had a retirement ceremony like that, even though you know he's Derek Jeter, but. I think when we look back at Dwayne Wade, the fact that he's kind of walked away from the game, it's honestly amazing, like, the career he's had. He's was the number one guy, and he was pretty much, I think, late 2000s, he was putting up the closest stat line to Michael Jordan that anyone has possibly ever tried to get, as especially as a shooting guard. And he... He's able to. He's basically carrying this like mediocre Miami Heat team by himself through the late 2000s, and then LeBron makes his decision. He comes to Miami with Chris Bosh, and then they form the big three, and they become the most like talked about and most controver- the most controversial like entity in all of basketball history. But like when it's like to me, Dwayne Wade could have been the Batman, but he was like very. Like, very really willing accepting to of be, his role. Yeah, he just accepted the role. He said, "Hey, LeBron's come here." He could have said, "No, this is my city. I'll, I'll be taking over. You, you'll be my sidekick." And he just came, and he was like, "No, I understand what it takes to win. I understand you can't have a big ego. Like, we gotta, we have to work together. We can't worry about this is my team. We gotta worry about this is our championship to win, and no one can take it from us." So he was, he was just more of a team guy than a me guy. His whole career, he was always like that. Um, when Shaq came by, he let – Shaq was – he was the number one, but Shaq still got to get the ball. He was scoring, and Dwayne Wade never said anything about it. Dwayne Wade never took the reins and said, no, this is my team. You're just going to play defense in the paint. He said, no, I'll give you – I'll pass the ball. I'll assist, and whatever it takes to get the win. And that's what he did his whole career. I think what – I think what really turned the tide for Wade the mo- was at this finals. I was for some reason I was on Basketball Reference and I was looking up all the like the score, like the stats of the finals game, mm-hmm. and Wade was just going nuts for like I think the f- once Miami took turned the tide in around game three, he started going nuts. Yeah, it was, I think it was crazy. Like consecutive like late twenty point twenty plus or thirty plus points. And that was the moment, I think, that the, that finals, despite the controversy surrounding the finals, that finals pre- basically made, d- built Dwayne Wade as a superstar. I think that even though he was a prolific scorer, I think the best part of his game was always the defense. He was always first, second team, all defense. And he just understood what it took to win. He knew that it wasn't always just, like, if we score more points, we're going to win. It was always, we have to score, but we always have to play defense, too. Like, I don't know. He always led, led the team on defense. He would get steals, blocks. I think he's the leading blocks for a guard in NBA history. Like, he did it all. He was a scorer, passer, defense. You're just all around what you want in the team. And I, he's my favorite player ever. I can't deny that. I really can't because, you know, when you're watching Dwayne Wade, it's just like, man, I think he's like probably the third best shooting guard of all. Actually, no, that's 
what am I talking about? That's he's like the fourth best shooting guard of all time, which is amazing. How we've had this long string of like amazing shooting guards throughout our lifetime. We have MJ at, right at the tail end, and then Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Rest in peace, by the way. And then Dwayne Wade, and now we're seeing James Harden. Yeah, it's like a nice James Harden string kind of, gets of weird. Like, it's because he's shooting guard, point guard. He he goes he kind of goes back and forth, but yeah, I would definitely say I would put Wade third. Um, like I said, James Harden is kind of in that gray area where before they got Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, he was kind of playing shooting guard and, or point guard. I mean, himself in uh in Houston. So he kind of entered that gray area where you don't really know where he fits in. But I, even then, I wouldn't even put him ahead of Dwayne Wade just yet because he has the offense for sure. But he, like I said, he doesn't play the defense that Dwayne Wade plays. Dwayne Wade's in all – he's one of the all-time best defenders at a shooting guard. I can't deny that. But let's go right into the current season. Now, this is the reason I brought you on this tape is because – we just we're closing in on All Star Weekend, and the trade deadline has just passed. The only moves that Miami the Miami made were acquiring Andre Iguodala for Justice Winslow, yep, and also acquiring acquiring Jay Crowder as well. What do you think of those moves, and could they have done more? Well, uh, there was a talks about Gallinari coming, and I really would have liked that. Just some more shooting to add to this team, a veteran shooter. Right now, our shooters are all kind of young. We have Duncan Robinson in his second year, and it's barely his second year. He played like 10 games last year. We've got hero shooting. Um, some of our shooting is coming from Kelly Olynyk, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, I kind of wish we traded Kelly Olynyk, but whatever. Um, so I would have liked Gallinari just as a veteran shooter. He knows when to take the shots, when to pass on the shots. So some of the other guys are kind of learning that, and I thought he can, as well as doing that on the court himself, he can teach them those kind of ways, like, hey, this is when you take a shot, this is when you might pump fake and pass it off, get one more pass, get a better shot. But uh, we didn't get that. I do like the move of getting Andre Godala. Andre Godala, I see it's sort of an older version of Justice Winslow. Um, he has... He has the defense for sure, which was Justice Winslow's best asset. And Winslow was the best at point guard for us um, when we played him at the forward. He wasn't all that great. He was good, um, but I feel like he really took advantage of being a point guard. He was a bigger point guard. He's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so he used advantage of his size on the smaller guys um, on offense. But as a forward, his offense was kind of struggling. Um, so I think that Iguodala brings that veteran presence. He brings the same defensive caliber, and he provides a little bit more offense. We won't have him as long, obviously. We have a two-year contract, and the second year is a team option, so we can free up some money if need be. But I think that it will work out. Um, right now, I think the Bucks are far and away the best team in the East. So I don't know if it will lead to anything for this year, but I'm hoping that we can see it next year. Um, we can add a little bit to the team through free agency and see if next year we can make a real push to be a contender. I honestly think in this, in this Eastern Conference, you actually have a chance, though. Like, if you're going to strike now, it now's the time. 
because you look at the rest of the East, the Sixers are floundering. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, the Sixers are floundering. The Raptors don't have Kawhi. And then Indiana, it's like, I don't know what they are. And then the only other team is Milwaukee. And then one series, if you can pull off and take advantage of and get momentum, you could take down Giannis. Because let's face it, it's just Giannis, to be completely honest. Everybody else on the team is just going nuts. And everybody works well with Giannis. But the moment that everybody, you have one cold spell on anybody on the Bucks that's not named Giannis, that spells some deep trouble for them. And this Miami team, I think, has been thriving on a lot of good momentum. So right now, I think that we're actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think we've only played the Bucks once so far, and we actually beat them in Milwaukee. So that's great. I like that going in uh, for the rest of the season. And like you said, it's just Giannis. He's surrounded by shooters, but I think our defense can handle the shooters. We're great. We have great uh, perimeter defense. We can handle the shooters. And it, like you said, it's just Giannis. If you can limit Giannis to, like the other day, I think he had 35 points, 20 rebounds. That's ridiculous. If you just don't let him do that, um, then you've got a shot, especially in a seven-game series. We are great at home. We have three losses in Miami, two to each of the – one to each of the LA teams, and the last one, uh, I can't remember who it was to right now. But we have we have three home losses. We're great at home. Our crowd can get us going. And if we can clinch those games at home and we just have to worry about one or two on the road, I think we can handle Milwaukee. Um, but I think it's just Giannis. Giannis is such a good playmaker. He can do whatever on both sides of the ball. And he's a lot to handle. But if you can't handle him, then you've got a great shot. I kind of do want to break down the – like the current Miami Heat season as a whole. And big key reason that they're be, they've been so well, great has been signing Jimmy Butler. And he comes in alone. He doesn't have no star. There were some rumors about them trying to acquire Chris Paul. Those mm-hmm. fell through. And Jimmy's been going at this solo. And I feel like he's on the ideal team right now. Because I think Jimmy really thrives when he's the guy. Like when he is your ideal your number one scorer when he's the guy that everybody needs to depend on he kind of thrives in that role and you look at everybody else on that team it kind of the the team as a whole kind of caters and does and works well or is very compatible with uh, jimmy's skill set would you agree i would agree but there's also points where i would disagree i think that i don't think he's doing it alone um yeah coming in you may think he's the only star but i think bam out grown himself into a star in his own right um he's an all-star this year first time all-star we got rid of Hassan whiteside and he's really stepped up big in that role um we asked him to do a lot more and he's done all that we can ever hope for and much more at this point um i think that jimmy butler his problems in minnesota and his problems in philadelphia were with the people around him. He didn't get along well with the people around him because he didn't feel that they worked hard. He felt they had talent, and they just didn't work hard enough to capitalize on the talent that they had been gifted. Um, he had problems with Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, and 
we can see now that they are they've lost what 13 14 straight um Wiggins Wiggins is gone now and I don't know if that was a great deal for Golden State but I guess time will tell on that but and then you see in Philadelphia that now they're all calling each other out in the locker room they're calling each other soft and beat is taking shots at um Simmons for not taking enough threes and they have horrible spacing and I think that was a big problem he had there. But now he's in Miami, and he seems to love it. He Everyone works hard. Um, he loves the effort that he's getting from all the rookies, especially. He talks a lot about how he'll, he'll uh, message one of the rookies, he'll text or call them, and say, hey, you want to work out in the gym right now? And no matter what time it is, they're always like, yeah, sure. Tell me when and where, and I'll be there. And he loves that. He just likes people around him that are going after the same goal he is and working just as hard to get there. And I don't think he felt that in all the other teams he was at. The Bulls are a mess from head to toe, all the way from management to the players. Uh, You can see Laurie Marketing and Zach Levine don't want to be there. They just drive good players away left and right. And like I said, with um, Minnesota and Philadelphia, they they have all the talent in the world. Uh, people thought Philadelphia would be a contender for the finals, and now they're. If the playoffs started today, they'd be going on the road because they just didn't work hard enough to get that home spot. And that's all it comes down to. Just you gotta want it, and you gotta work hard for it. I I do want to get into because we've been talking a lot about Bam, and he's definitely in contention for Most Improved Player of the Year. But I I want to talk about some of the lesser guys, some of the guys that don't really get enough recognition. And it all starts with Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson. Now, these two guys, one, I have never even heard of Kendrick Nunn before the season even started, and I'm pretty sure nobody else had. No. But Duncan Robinson, Duncan Robinson I knew because he was on the Michigan teams, and I every match March Madness, I would always look at that Michigan team and think, yo, Duncan Robinson, that guy could shoot threes, and he's pretty good. He's really... And... I would always be I would always be really really high in Michigan because of Duncan Robinson. I think I remember one of the seasons when they went to the finals and lost to Villanova. I picked them to go all the way, and I and I pretty much won one of my pools. But tell me more about like Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson, and what like what has how have they helped in just making this season the way, the season that they are having? So they've been huge playmakers. They've started. I think every game they've played in, they've started. At first, I I knew Duncan Robinson, like you said, for Michigan. But when he started this year for in game one, I was like, what's Duncan Robinson doing out there? I thought when we got him, he would just be more of like a role player, just come in. If we're down big, you shoot a couple threes, get us back into it if you can, and we'll see how it goes. But he's been a very pleasant surprise. Kendrick Nunn. I hadn't heard of before the season or before, uh, let's say, like, June. I hadn't heard of him. But then he had a couple big games in the preseason. And I think he dropped, like, 40 points on the Rockets in preseason. And I started to look into him. He went to Illinois. And something happened there. I'm not sure of all the details, but he ended up having to leave. He took a gap year. And he ended up going to, like, the College of Oakland or something like that. And 
he put up numbers there. He went undrafted, and the Heat decided let's take a chance on him. Um, I think he spent a couple. He spent a year or so in the G League. Uh, and they just decided it's time to bring him up, and he's been a pleasant surprise. I think he has every single rookie of the month in the Eastern Conference. Meanwhile, John Morant's had in the West, and we'll see John Morant and Zion kind of fight that out in the West, but I think he's by far the best rookie the East has to offer, and he's just been a very pleasant surprise, both him and Duncan Robinson, what they offer to this team in terms of uh, just shooting, their hard work. Uh, their defense leaves a little something to be desired, but it's it's both their first season starting. They can really grow on that. And, you know, this, I think it's just amazing. Like, Miami has managed to, like, elevate a lot of its players. And especially, like, and I think it's all credit to Eric Spolstra. And... The guy has been on the team for close to a decade. I remember they hired him and they told this whole story about, oh, how he started out as a, uh, he started out as some lowly, like, scouting assistant or, like, yeah, he would coordinator. Watch, he would watch a video. He would be video coordinator. He'd watch all the video and all the guys, and he would tell the coaches, hey, these are who we should go after. Or he would scout and say, this is what we have to watch out for, for this guy in this matchup coming up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and, and I think this past decade, and I, the one thing that's really, like, I think goes, has never really been mentioned as much is just how impressive Eric Spolstra managed to handle, like, the big three. And just, like, it's not even just, like, you think, oh, you have two of the five best players on your team. That should be easy for you as a coach. No, but it's actually really difficult because you have to make sure that those guys are getting along. You have to manage their egos in the locker room because there are a lot of veterans in there as well. And I think that was just like how impressive he was just coaching that team. And then how he's managed to kind of keep the team afloat. They've never like fully went rock bottom. And like these, they've kept them like relative in, in playoff contention. I, and I think to me, like is, Eric Spolster, like the most underrated head coach, because I certainly think he is. I think he's a top five head coach, but not a lot of people are saying it. Yeah, I think when he was making the playoffs, people just said, oh, he has he has LeBron, he has Wade. Like, that's not good coaching. That's just the good players were on your team. But you see LeBron go everywhere else, and you see coaches are getting fired left and right. Uh, David Black got fired. Tyron Lue got fired. I mean, everywhere he goes – they don't seem to know how to manage it. And LeBron says, get rid of this guy. And management says, all right, we're not getting rid of LeBron, so we got to get rid of you. And Eric Spolster is the one exception. He went to Miami. He stayed four years. And never once did you hear of LeBron have any problems with the coaching that the team had. Um, even when they lost in the finals that first year to the Mavericks, they never just decided, hey, the coaching was bad. They knew that. Eric Spolster is our guy. He'll manage everything properly. Just like you said, the egos you have to manage. When you have all these players, you have to know when to draw a place for this guy, when to draw a place for that guy. And he did it perfectly. And also, like you said, they've never really bottomed out. They've never had, like, a top 10 pick or anything. They missed the playoffs. And they've been right there, though. Like, a couple years ago, I think they missed the playoffs because the Nets played against the Bulls. 
and the Nets just sat all their players in the last game of the season, and the Bulls won, and they took the eighth seed. Uh, last year, they were 13th. Like, they're always right there in contention. It's never like they're the one of the bottom five teams in the league. That's never been them. And they really – it's really a lot to say towards Eric Spolster to keep the team afloat. No matter what he has to work with, he's always going to – just make sure these guys are playing their hardest. No one's ever going to quit on him. And he's going to have them right in the spot where they want to be towards the end of the year to make the playoffs. It's amazing to me because I think we – I view him as like the true disciple to Pat Riley because he grew up in the Pat Riley system. Exactly. And like this is – this guy, I mean like it's – Honestly, it's like amazing that like all these players and he's like elevated a lot of players and guys like Nunn, guys like Duncan Robinson, and then he's like turned Bam from who they drafted right around like the late has a late lottery pick alongside, yes. and he like he's turned into a star. I think he was and, the thirteenth or fourteenth pick, so right towards the yeah, end of the lottery. I, I remember I was miffed by that because, like, wait, don't you guys already have Hassan Whiteside? But then I realized, oh, yeah, Hassan Whiteside's kind of a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's kind of a he's kind of a brat. Yeah. And you you draft someone like Bam who has a nose for the ball can, and he grabs boards for days. I think that was, like, his one, his one main trade in, like, Kentucky that made him really impressive was how well he crashed the boards. And then Spoll just takes advantage of that and just, like, turns him into a star. And now he's scoring, like... I think it's scoring 16, 17 a night. Yeah, like 16, and he's getting at least a double, averaging a double-double. I think close to a double-double at this point. Yeah, I think right now he's at like 16 and a half and nine or something like that. He's really close to it. Yeah, and It's just amazing to me. And I, I really just – I want to see someday like an Eric Spolstra appreciation thread somewhere on Reddit because this guy has just been coaching for more than a decade for the same team, and he's – Right at the ship, and at this point, I think he could like end up going where, like Pop has gone, where like he's like this respected coach, and everybody wants to play for him because like, hey, this guy gets gets wins, and he's like elevates careers. We, I want to be, I want to be with this guy. He's really earned it. Yeah, he's earned that that kind of respect in the league. Uh, just being there so long, like coaches don't last a decade anymore in the NBA. You get guys that come in and out, and only the good ones really last. And he's been there, and he's really earned that respect of everyone in the league. Um, and you mentioned Pat Riley, who he's doing a hell of a job as a general manager as well. Like, to start the year, and even the last couple of years, we've been in bad situations with salary cap, and he always seems to make it work. We find the diamonds in the rough. Uh, we haven't had a couple – we've traded away a couple of our first-round picks, and we haven't had a few of them. And he's always found the guy in the second round, some of the undrafted guys like Kendrick Nunn, and they all seem to turn out and be uh, a great role player in their own right. Um, we've got some of them that have turned into starters. We've got some of them that are prospects coming up. Uh, we've got KZ Okpala in – the G League right now. I think he actually just started his, or not started, but he actually played in his first NBA game yesterday. And he's he's a big prospect that we have. People say that he's a floor that can handle the ball. 
he knows what he's doing. I think he's been averaging like 25 points in the G League, and it's only a matter of time before he starts getting significant minutes in the NBA. I go just to wrap up the, this whole talk of Miami Heat. Let's. Do you feel that they will finish the season as the two seed in the East, or do you expect them to be some, still within like the upper echelon of the of the conference? I think they'll definitely be in the upper echelon. Um, right now, I think we're at four. We've been at two. We're only like a game and a half back of that two seed. The Bucks have built such a big lead. I don't know if we'll ever get to one. Um, yeah, no one's catching that. Yeah, they're pretty much out of reach. But the Raptors, Celtics, and Heat, it's really going to be a fight for that two seed. It's it's going to be a fight all the way down to the end. We might not know till the last game who's going to have that spot. We're all within a game of each other. Every time I look, it's I think to start this week, we were tied with the Celtics. Now I think we're a game back of them and a game and a half back of the Raptors. Um, they're all really good teams. I mean, everyone's put up their own argument for being deserving in this spot. And it's just going to have to be a fight all the way down to the end. you got to hope everyone stays healthy and see what happens. Now, Premier, thank you so much for coming on. And before I wrap up this whole, like, podcast here, I, I, let's talk a little bit about the Fantasy Football League and, like, your experience. You've been a champion, and, like, i got to tell you, like, how, like, what has been, like, the best part about, like, working this league? Is there anything, you know, that you would say needs some tweaking? So, the Fantasy Football League, I, I like it. Um, I I really enjoy it. I think that um, some of the banter going back and forth in our group chat is really good. Um, I have some leagues where everyone just, they draft, and you just never hear from the people until the playoffs in this league you hear every week oh everyone's talking trash back and forth um everyone just really wants everyone's really competitive about it everyone wants to win and i've had some good years i've had some down years Uh, i think i made the championship game twice in a row i think it was me and matt both times um and i think it's it's just really fun um everything we have so far is pretty good. Um, I don't know if we might want to... I've seen that some people have been leaving. Um, like, every year we have one person we usually have to replace. I'd like for everyone to stay and just keep a little bit of that banter going back and forth, build the rivalries. Um, like, some of those people that have been there since day one, uh, me, you, Sean, Kevin, we've all had that banter going since day one and we've built that really competitive spirit between us whenever we play each other. Um, so I'd like to see that across the whole league instead of having people come in and out. Um, but other than that, I think it's really great. I've, I've been loving it. Well, I can tell you that like, th- I think after this season, this is the closest we're going to, I think we're going to be able to accomplish that goal of having like a full, a second year where everybody came back. Awesome. I think that's we're we're looking forward to towards that. I think it's leaning towards that. But I think what has made like this like the past couple seasons great is just that every like you said everybody like contributes. Everybody like talks trash whenever they can. And you know when when we draft because like I the only thing for me that I wish for personally is I wish that we could all just like 
converge into one location and draft and like and build more camaraderie because I think that there is nothing like that says like how strong a bond your fantasy football league has is then having like a celebratory draft yeah where everybody convert comes in and we all just hang out and just draft and then afterwards just hang out a bit and then you know have a great time that's really that's like the next level of fantasy football i want to hit that would be great i would love that yeah we we're closing in on year after this this was year six we're closing in on year seven yeah and we're accomplishing like so many great goals and like to me i this is why i love like running a fantasy football league is because you have you can not only bring in your own friends but you make friends along the way too yes like, I remember joining this league. It was just a Facebook message in the Hofstra 2018 class, class of 2018 Facebook chat. It was a Facebook group, and you just said, who wants to play fantasy football? I liked it, and now here we are today on a podcast together. It's amazing. I, and, I, and I can't thank you enough for not only being an amazing fantasy football member and champion because you had the championship belt, and I kind of personally wish we could have taken that from another league and just made that our championship. No, really. We could have just, like, plastered it and said Hofstra Fantasy Football League champion. Because you had, like, you had the WCW championship belt. Yes. Style. Yeah. So it would have it would have been perfect. Like, it's big enough to where it's a big deal. And when you carry it around or have a photo of it, it, it actually looks like you're legitimate champion. Yeah. So... Like I, that's the next step for me too. It's like, man, I, I wish I could just like dish out money just to, but I think we're going to save that. If we manage to hit year 10, I'll do that. That sounds great. Year 10, 10 year anniversary, give the champion a nice belt. And then we'll just pass that around. Yeah. And, and just like, again, I, I can't thank you enough for being an amazing fantasy football player and for just coming on this podcast and talking Miami heat. I know we kind of just completely diverged, but like, I've learned a lot about the Miami Heat today and how, you know, Kendrick Dunn and Duncan Robinson have come up. You, and not only just like we, and there, there's some stuff we haven't even touched on yet, like how Goran Dragic has just managed to stick around on this team and still produce. Yeah, I, that's been a lot. It's been a roller coaster with Dragic. I kind of wanted him to be traded. I thought we could get some younger assets in, and he's been just a leader. He's been very accepting of that six man role. And he's been a leader on that second unit. Um, we've got him. We've got Tyler Hero. They just both come in and they they just beat up on second units. And they end up closing out the game for us. Um, so they have huge roles. And now I'm hoping that Crowder and Iguodala and Solomon Hill can fill in on that second role as well. Second unit as well. That's the hope because I think like the if there was one critique I would get from Miami, I think you got you got to upgrade your four spot because Myers Leonard, I like Myers Leonard, but he's Myers Leonard. Yeah, and when he comes out, we have Kelly Olynyk, which I've already said I'm not a huge fan uh, of, but it's, he runs very awkwardly. Yeah, it's it's Myers Leonard and Kelly Olynyk, which we can be upgraded a lot at that. Um, that's what I was thinking. We can Gallinari kind of pushed Butler to the four, Gallinari at the three, but that didn't work out. So I guess we'll see how the rest of the year goes out. Gallinari's a free agent if you if we still want him at the end of the year. Yeah, it's like, you know, I think you guys are set up like in a position where you'll be big on the free agent market soon. I, I think, does the Olenek and Waiters contracts run out after this season or next season? 
Um, well, we traded away the the waiter's contract. Wait, really? And yeah, he was part of the um, of the Iguodala deal. So we traded away him, James Johnson, and Justice Winslow. So we got we got rid of some big contracts. Him and uh, James Johnson, I think they both made upwards of ten million. I think Waiters was twelve and Johnson was fifteen. Um, both of them were just wasting away on the bench. So we really dumped off some big contracts. Kelly Olynyk, I believe, is under contract until the end of this year. And then we free up that money. I think you guys are setting yourselves up to try to get Giannis in like two years. I think that's like the free agency everybody's been like eyeing towards. I know this because the Knicks are trying that. And I'm like, why? You're not even like, he's not even going to speak to you. What are you doing? Yeah, the Knicks think they're going to get everyone. They think we play in the Mecca, we'll get whoever we want. And they never get anyone. And I don't know how they keep that same mindset. But yeah, we're definitely, Pat Riley said that. Everything we do is gearing towards having Giannis come in uh, 2021. So, I mean, I hope it all works out. We just had the Iguodala deal. We extended him, so his contract works around that to free up space when it's time for Giannis. I believe that a lot of big contracts are coming off. Drogic is coming off then. Um, I hope we can keep Drogic if he keeps his level of play up just at a cheaper rate. Um we will have to pay Bam, but I think we have the money to pay Bam and bring on Giannis as well. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Okay. All right, Premier, thank you so much. And this time for sure we're wrapping up because that's it for today. <laughs> I will post all the episodes on I will post all the episodes on Twitter. So follow me on Susaraki at nineteen twenty eight. Plus check out my Twitch channel where I've been streaming some Pokemon Platinum Nuzlocke. It's been fun honestly i can't tell you that much but for now i'll see you guys next time